a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Yesterday, the Department of Defense announced that we had detected and were tracking a high altitude surveillance balloon that remains over the continental United States. We're confident this is a Chinese surveillance balloon. We communicated with the PRC government directly through multiple channels about this issue. We concluded that conditions were not conducive for a constructive visit at this time. That is Secretary of State uh, just a few moments ago made that announcement, one regarding the spy balloon and the fact that he will postpone his trip to Beijing. Lots to dig into uh, as this rolls out. That press conference is continuing on. We're monitoring that as they get to the uh, Q&A portion of the program. But we're really thrilled to have joining us once again on the program, Philem Kine, who is the D.C.-based China correspondent for Politico, joins us online to help us break all of this down. Now, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. So as, as you've been watching this unfold, uh, let's let's start with uh, up in the air and the beautiful balloon. Uh, what, what are your sources telling you? Uh, what else do we know about this balloon that's still drifting somewhere over the Midwest? Well, it's been a whirlwind of 24 hours since the Pentagon announced that indeed this uh, surveillance balloon that they say is does originate from China was floating somewhere over Montana. Um, I mean, that's notable because Montana happens to have one of the largest U.S. Air Force bases, Malmstrom, in, in the country, and that's home of uh, intercontinental ballistic missile uh, firing area. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's suspicious, that, uh, to say the least, that this thing was hanging around, loitering in that area. And, of course, what's happened is it's totally upended what has been a long-planned, long-anticipated trip by Secretary of State Blinken to Beijing, to try to really put wheels on uh, President Biden and and Chinese paramount leader Xi Jinping's uh, announced intentions to try to improve relations, at least put a floor on the relationship so it doesn't get worse. And Mm. instead, that is totally upended. And we now have a major diplomatic incident in which the Secretary of State is saying that he just can't go to China at a time when they are wrestling with this very, what they say is a very clear and obvious spy incident by the Chinese. Yeah, and uh, it's so interesting. Uh, again, the timing is really extraordinary. Uh, and, and interesting, uh, how do you think that the the Chinese uh, are going to play this out? Is this Obviously, they did their first denial saying this is just a weather balloon. Uh, it's clearly uh, surveillance, uh, and it's controllable to some degree as it's floating along yeah. there. Uh, do they eventually say, well, yeah, but we've been doing this for a long time. I mean, we're, we're back to balloons. <laughs> Yeah. um, The Chinese response has has really been remarkable, both in terms of substance and speed. You have to remember that the Chinese government's playbook for anything that is negative or what they consider, quote unquote, sensitive is to ignore and deny. And what happened is that as this, you know, within like 12 hours or, you know, or 12, 15 hours, you had the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Beijing acknowledging that there was something going on and they were looking into it. And a couple hours later, they came out and said, oh, yes, it is ours. 
Uh, it's a civilian weather uh, vehicle, and it blew off course due to the winds. And they actually said that they offered their regrets. That's also very important because the Chinese government almost never, ever apologizes mm. for really clear errors, mistakes. So we have the Chinese government really playing nice. Like they're not, they wanted this trip to happen. They have been playing out this diplomatic charm offensive and they wanted and needed Blinken to come to make nice, have some photo ops and maybe talk about more talks. And who knows, maybe some diplomatic sweeteners for the U.S. in some small way. And not getting that, it really complicates their ability to just concentrate on it economic downturn and this sort of COVID calamity that they're still wrestling with. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, Utah Senator Mitt Romney issued a statement saying that China's recent charm offensive is a Potemkin village attempting to conceal their malign ambitions toward our country and the global order uh, and really calling on everyone to remain clear-eyed in terms of China and what's happening there. And so obviously the diplomatic dance becomes even more complicated, as you suggested, uh, and uh, clearly, uh, Secretary Blinken is not going to be making this trip. So, so help us understand, uh, kind of from behind the scenes. So, so what what's going on behind the scenes now uh, to kind of navigate this? Obviously, President Biden wants to have something happen there. Obviously, President Xi needs something to happen there. Uh, what's the diplomatic channel look like today? Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, I, I think this is a classic example of a, of your crisis opportunity <laughs> ratio, um, because, you know, the, the Blinken has come out and said, I'm not going and we're indefinitely postponing this. Uh, and so that actually provides Blinken and the Biden administration some leverage mm. in terms of its engagement with the Chinese government going forward. The Chinese government wanted wanted Blinken to come. They wanted there to be some sense of progress in the relationship. And now suddenly uh, Biden, uh, Biden and Blinken have, have, a, have, a, have, a, have been dealt a better hand. You know, they're able to say, you know, it's very unfortunate. We have the spines and what can you do for us? And so obviously they're not going to, you know, bend on things like Taiwan or human rights or the South China Sea, but maybe they're willing to bend on things like uh, U.S. citizens who are unjustly detained in China or maybe renewing and lifting a suspension on counter-narcotics cooperation, given the fact that China supplies the precursor chemicals that create the synthetic opioids that kill tens of thousands of Americans a year. So it opens a window for potential progress because China is now at a disadvantage. Wow, that is uh, that is really fascinating. So, uh, so start helping us uh, chart this thing forward as we look at the the coming days and weeks. Uh, obviously, those are some important uh, levers for the Biden administration to be able to begin to deploy. I think uh, the fentanyl component, I think, is a really interesting one uh, where there could be some some progress. So, what are you going to be watching for over the next few days and weeks in terms of how this thing starts to move and uh, what comes next? I think we're going to see, first off, we're obviously going to see furious, you know, back, back door, back room uh, diplomacy in order to reach a satisfactory 
setting that will, will allow Blinken to say, now I can come. And I don't think Blinken's going to come until he knows that there is a meeting agenda that he thinks is going to deliver something rather than just a photo op, friendly, friendly smiles and a handshake. So that's really it's actually supercharged U.S.-China diplomacy in terms of having some kind of modest deliverables. I think we're also going to watch to see what kind of language comes out of Beijing over the coming days and weeks as this plays out. Remember, there has been a marked shift in tone by the Chinese government in the last few weeks. There has been this charm offensive, uh, this definite palpable uh, you know, language that indicates that they're willing to be open to uh, cooperation with the U.S. It's interesting to see whether Beijing can, can maintain that while here in D.C. and across the U.S., there's going to be mounting furore and outcry and rancor about Chinese spying over the continental United States. Yeah, and, and what do you expect to see uh, on the the U.S. side? Obviously, uh, members of both political parties uh, are uh, are using this full throttle. Uh, they're using it both for fundraising, which they always do, and social media moments, which they always do. Uh, but do you think there'll be anything substantive in terms of either committee work or hearing work uh, that might uh, be interesting or that might complicate things uh, for the Biden administration as they try to navigate what levers uh, to pull, what leverage to, to really engage as it comes to China? Yeah, well, you know, for sure, what's, what, what we're going to see and we're already seeing is that this new uh, House Select Committee on China, on competition, U.S. competition with the Chinese Communist Party that's led by Representative Michael Gallagher uh, from Illinois, is going to get the front and center. They are going to take this and run in terms of, uh, you can expect hearings on Chinese surveillance spying in the United States. It's also going to, you know, supercharge, uh, you know, House now GOP-led uh, committees that have any type of uh, extension on, on technology, on judicial matters. Every, everyone's going to want a piece of this on the Hill in the coming weeks. So it's going to be a, a real political free-for-all. And again, that's going to make it difficult for Beijing to maintain its composure while you have this real, uh, you know, a lot of sort of very rancorous rhetoric about China unfolding on the Hill over the coming weeks as people really capitalize on this moment. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Philem Kine, he is the Washington, D.C.-based China uh correspondent for Politico and uh, feeling just priceless perspective there. And uh, I appreciate you joining us on a really busy day. I know for you, uh, we look forward to continuing the conversation as we move this all forward. My pleasure. Have a nice weekend. All right. Again, that's uh, Philem Kine and uh, great perspective there. We're going to stay with the conversation a little bit. This is an important one. And Phelan gave us some really crucial pieces to dig into. We'll do that coming up next. Stick around. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.